Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. I'm your host, Michelle Barard, founder and CEO of Michelle A. Barard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I'm very happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, I know it's been a challenging time with the COVID and the lockdowns and all of that stuff. I hope everybody's still doing okay through that. I know some states are, well, like the great state of Georgia, are on the upswing with the cases again. I hope your families and you guys are all safe. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we have grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the July 24th show, author Latara Robertson. You can connect with Latara on social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the July 24th show at the Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message. You guys know how I feel about this. We really need to share this with the young people, but it's not just for young people. Sometimes we grown-ups need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, I've had this guest on my show before. She's a fabulous person and advocate uh, for undoing racism, for clearing all of that out of our lives. But she is also a spiritual person. And that's what she's here to talk with us about today. Kale and Kay is originally from Brooklyn, New York, where she raised her two children. She worked in politics and the arts. And in the 1990s, Kaylin moved to Northampton, Massachusetts. She attended Holyoke Community College, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, and matriculated in the opera department at Smith. Kaylin has performed as a vocalist in the summer series at Damrush Park. She also has performed at the Lincoln Center in New York in Children of Adam, which was produced by the Urban Arts Corps and conducted by Chapman Roberts. Kaylin is also a spirit photographer and does phone and photo readings. She is writing a photography book with narratives about that work, which is due out later this year. So I'd like to welcome Kaylin Kay to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Kaylin, thank you for being on the show with me. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> well, the last time we spoke, we really dug into the work that you were doing as a writer, as a, a what I would call a, a coach or a facilitator, um, working in the realm of racism or helping to dismantle our, the system, uh, particularly working with, with white people who want to dismantle the system and they start in their little corner of the world, right? Start with themselves and I'm a big believer in that. But there's so much more to what you do because you also have a deeply spiritual side yeah. that you connect with in a really interesting way that I had never really heard of. And I really want to bring that to my listeners so that they can understand that. Would you, would you mind sharing what is spiritually speaking photography? <laughs> um, spiritually speaking photography is, um, I take photos of anything or take a photo someone sent me and I put it in my cell phone and I just edit it very simply and animals and angels and other people start to appear in that photo. And they, and it keeps going and going. Even if I return to it two or three days later, more will appear. It's almost like a slideshow. So I'll rotate the photo and more appears. And um, I might change the, the tone of the colors, maybe the sepia tones, and then there'll be more and more coming up and appearing. And they almost be, it, it really is about 
to me, it's about life after death. It is about eternal life. And, you know, I, of course, I was a psychic medium for decades, and I and some healings took place as a result of my work in that area. And that had happened because my brother had died in 1993, and he was my younger brother. We were very close. Mm-hmm. And then he appeared to me soon afterwards, and I was very angry, and I didn't believe in anything. And um, I wasn't a receptive person to this type of um, interest in the afterlife at all or telepathy or anything. Mm-hmm. And he kept appearing and appearing and say, we have work to do together. You're going to have to go in another direction with this, with my death. You're not going to be able to, to prevent communication between us. We're very good friends. We love each other. This is part of our path. So he would show me that in dreams. And then I would, and then I'd say to him, well, I want evidence that this is not some kind of imaginary suppressed form of grief expressing itself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to understand that I'm clear on my grieving because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm deeply emotional and I really believe going deeper into emotions is what helps you um, dissolve and cope and move on type of thing. Right. So, so I embrace that. I embrace the depth of emotion. And, um, but I also didn't want to be deluding myself. Um, and also I wasn't, I also believe in free will. So I also believe that if you're receiving spiritual content from someone who's passed away, you do have choices about to what degree you'll continue to receive it. Yeah. And also okay. what you're going to do with it and this and that. So I didn't have any kind of um, elevated sense of security or confidence or faith in this at all. I did not have mm-hmm. that. However, what he was trying to show me was our love continues. And this is something I need you to be very conscious of because you're trying to convince yourself love does not continue. And mm-hmm. it does. His other point was love is manifestation. When you allow communication from your loved ones, you're also increasing your faith. And he was very upset at the time. We weren't very re- religious. We believed in divinity, but we didn't identify it. Uh, particularly um, in a very uh, traditional sense, necessarily. And he was very interested in my believing in God. Now, God is a very big word and encapsulates so much for so many people in such different ways for entirely different reasons. So I also am very analytical about those things as well. But he was like, it's very important for you to understand that love manifests. And the more in touch you are with love and the more you allow it and receive it, the more it will increase in your life and the more evidence of the afterlife will come forward. Because in essence, he was representing people who had passed, who don't want to be forgotten. They don't want you stuck in grief. They don't want you to believe that the relationship is necessarily over and only dependent upon memory, that it's active, that it's an ongoing series of communications that will continue. However, in many instances, the situation is that you use your free will. And many times people who have passed away really can only come forward to you if you accept that they will and go, that's okay, you can. Right? right. Really can't be coming to you if you're totally against it and unwilling or it's outside of your belief system and you can't allow that to be something you can believe. Then they're going yeah. to stop. They're not going to keep coming. Well, is that partly because you are not in a position where you can hear or see or, you know, whatever? So even if they did, you wouldn't see it, right? Partially, that's part of it. And the other part of it is they don't want respect, that there's respect. Ah. They respect you. They respect your wishes. We all have our own sense of boundaries in our lives about a variety of things, and they change as we grow and change. But also in spirit, they have to respect our boundaries. And they do. So I had to kind of make a decision about faith and allowing myself to continue to love. Because I also think part of the grieving process sometimes is it's too frightening to love then. Then we don't want to continue to love. <laughs> you know, we don't want bad endings. We don't want endings at all. And I've also been interested always all my life in how people cope with death. I've observed people coping with death, and and I always thought it was so interesting how people tend to accept it. It's really interesting, with so few questions about it. Um, 
And um, that, that also interested me. And he and I discussed these things before he died because we used to discuss really almost everything, anything and everything. <laughs> so um, and then eventually he had been, um, he asked me to get some flowers. So I got a bouquet of flowers, asked Armeria flowers, and I got a big bouquet of them. And I put them in a vase. And when I was very angry about this, and even about the insistence that there be a relationship between us, because it was confusing. Mm -hmm. Here I am. Two months later, I walk into a coffee shop and there's a brother and sister, but I'll never walk into a coffee shop with my brother again. You see what I mean? Oh, so these, yes. Right? These horrible, real things about grief. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little bit confused about um, that he's interfering in my grieving process. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, did you think that you're... <laughs> Did you think that your brain was kind of playing tricks on you or did you think that, did you, or did you perceive, no, this is him, but he's bothering me. I'm curious. Both. You know, like, I think both. I think okay. both. I was a little bit careful about how vulnerable I am. Um, who on earth am I going to talk to about this? Mm -hmm. Plus still grieving. So right. I'm also in the midst of that grieving, which most all of us have experienced. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then he, he said, well, just get the flowers. I'm going to start to prove to you my presence. So I get the flowers, put them in a vase, go into the other room, be angry and go, this is totally ridiculous, you know? And of course you're concerned about your mental health. Of course. Right. So then I go back into the room and the flowers are broken completely in half. Oh, wow. And no one had been there, the entire bouquet. So I actually babysat for another person a lot at the time. And she would come home with a big bouquet of flowers because I'm also very critical. I'm like, oh, it's only if it's those flowers. <laughs> Right. Testing, testing it and seeing that pattern. And um, she'd come home with some other flowers, put them in the uh, vase. I'd go into the other room. i go, okay, that's it. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in the afterlife. And there's a bouquet of flowers in there. So that's it. And then I go into the room with all the flowers and completely broken half. She was like, oh, my God, I don't know how that happened. Oh, wow. This woman was shocked because she would get flowers there. She came back from work every Friday for a couple of weeks, and I'd be there. And, and there's no way I could tell her you know, anything. But what Paul was proving to me was, no, this is the manifestation of the faith. Whether you like it or not, you do love me. I do love you. We have a relationship. Mm. We are communicating. And... Here is the evidence of it that you've asked for. I'm going to start to give you more and more evidence. And that was reassuring, and it was very, very comforting. And that's when yeah. I began to develop more as a psychic, so to speak. Well, do so you that think that's because you open? You were at that point, you were more willing to be open and allow that development to yes. take place. Yes, because my biggest thing was I want evidence. This will not be some kind of little secretive telepathic or whatever. It's not going to do that. That's not where I'm at. <laughs> right. You know, I want proof. And um, what happened is, and he began to tell me in automatic writing, because I used to sit down and just write a note when I'd be grieving, and he'd write back. I didn't expect that. And it would be in his writing, not my wow. handwriting. Yeah, that's how automatic writing most often is. So, so I'm not familiar with automatic writing, and let's well, assume that people listening aren't as well. So tell me, what is automatic writing, and, and how does that work? That communicating with the person and you have a pad with you and a pen or a pencil mm -hmm. and you think about the person you're grieving about and they could have passed away yesterday or they could have passed away 10 or 20 years ago mm -hmm. and if the person is present often they'll start to communicate back with you because you're allowing them you're receiving them because okay. actually prayer is that to me prayer is a reciprocal relationship and so he and he, and so he would begin to just and it wouldn't be a big dramatic thing. It wouldn't be like my hand would go in the air and he'd start writing. <laughs> it would be, you know, not it wasn't creepy at all, which was right. a surprise to me as well. But he would just gradually just start to answer. He would know my thoughts and he'd let me know that he was knowing my thoughts. So mm -hmm. if I was remembering uh, something when we were ten, he'd go, "Oh, I remember that too. That was really oh. that." really special that was beautiful and he's right as who he is in fact it brings tears to my eyes now because when you experience this it is not you doing it or making right. it up not you responding to your own query or your own memory 
it is totally the essence of that person who is responding and who is sharing all I've had that memory to. I remember that. And many times when people come to me through automatic writing for someone and there's something sad, they'll just do a pause and they'll do a line because they're also sad, because they're also reliving that feeling of whatever you're most nostalgic about that cannot happen again in this lifetime. And they feel it with you. They're very empathic. They're sensitive to it also. So there's no denial about the emotional content of the relationship. I find it pretty fascinating because it also gets more and more involved into what love is, that it's not some kind of a notion. It's a profoundly organic, visceral experience. And also the eternal aspect of it is that it continues. It doesn't stop. So if it continues, the relationship continues in some way, and so does communication. So as it happened, about two or three years later, when I was getting the swing of this, because I would do some readings for some people or <clears throat> some statues would appear somewhere in a photograph that hadn't been there before. And um, wait, wait, wait. So, so talk about how the photos started. Well, this, this was interesting because about two years later, Paul came to me and said, George is very ill. I be, my, my children's father. Okay. He, I, I began to be clairaudient, so I could hear his heart beating being strained and strained and strained, like an Edgar Allan Poe mm -hmm. story, and I'd be hearing his heart. And I don't have that all the time, and I don't have it about many things, but I had it about this. And, and so Paul had come to me in automatic writing and said, George needs a certain um, test. And, may, and he's going to, and I said, well, I need evidence. I'm not going to tell him he needs a test that's going to frighten him. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not that kind of psychic. <laughs> go right. So, um, <clears throat> so he had said, well, he's going to bring home a photo tonight. And in that photo, it's going to be a statue that he took, a picture of a statue. And he's going to tell you that fog turned, fog showed up in it, but it's not fog, it's spirits, and you'll see the spirits. And He's going to think it's just fog, and he doesn't know why. And it's not that. It's spirits. So when you see the spirits around the statue, you can then let him know that he needs a particular test. And he gave me the name of the test. <clears throat> I'm not a biologist. I have nothing to do with biology, and I'm not a nurse. Nothing like that. So I don't know medical terms for things unless I'm giving them through the person right. coming through. So then I said, okay, and George had come home back from the doctor. He had been the veteran. He had a full set. He had a certain health issues already, but he came home and they said, oh, everything is fine. So I said, and then he goes, and by the way, I took these photos the other night when I went out and, and look at them. Isn't it funny that there's smoke all over, but there was no smoke in the picture. And the picture was taken around 11 o'clock at night of a statue in front of a church. And there was angels and animals and people wow. <laughs> in it. And he didn't see it that way and so that was my communication with Paul Paul had prepared me and said no you're going to see this and when you do that and of course Paul, Paul was appealing to the psychic in me not right. the critical person right not the protector mm -hmm. of somebody but the psychic mm -hmm. so so then it resonated and I knew I have to say to George so I just sat him down and I said look I think there's a possibility you need this particular test taken had they given you that test and he goes I don't think so so he did call the doctor the next day and asked, and the doctor said, no, no, we didn't give you that. You didn't need that. So he, George said, well, I'd like to have it. George understood me psychically and spiritually and said, well, I would like to have it. So he went to the doctor, and the doctor scheduled the appointment later that day or the next morning. He had the test, and it showed that his aortic valve was seven centimeters dilated. And the doctor so said, what does that mean for people who have no idea what that means? It meant that he should have had a massive stroke or died two months before. They couldn't believe he was alive. They couldn't wow. So it meant that the heart was in the condition that I had heard it being in, mm -hmm. like almost burst. And um, so what they did was they rushed him to the VA Medical Center in Randolph, Massachusetts, where it's all specialists. And they had to do open-heart surgery for him, and he needed 10 liters of blood. He got pneumonia two hours later and nobody wanted to perform the surgery because they considered him a walking dead man and wow. i actually yes i i actually had been and he was um 54 at the time you know he was not an old man he was young yeah young man 
Mm-hmm. So um, what, and I actually had been there, like I went and I stayed for the entire month taking care of him. Uh, but what, when I was passing and they couldn't find a doctor who would perform the surgery for him. And so he, and I remember passing the doctors and they had no idea who I was. And I heard them discussing him. They said, he's a walking dead man. There's no way I'm going to have another expiration in my record. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to do this. Surgery. And all of them are saying me neither. I'm not going to either. I wouldn't go near it. So it was horrible because you're hearing that kind of thing as well. Wow. And finally a doctor, Dr. Virginiuk, who had appeared out of the blue the next day or two said, it's okay. I can do this. I can handle it. And he was the happiest person I'd ever known. Totally confident. No, this is nothing. It's a piece of cake. I'll take care of George, which was wonderful. It was like a miracle. That's beautiful. And Paul had said to me, don't worry, don't worry. Just don't worry. It's going to all happen. We have the right person for you. So in spirit, they actually do orchestrate and right. get connected. Okay. And, um, and they do. And Paul had reassured me, which was nice because George was very, very ill. So it was very nice to be able to allow for that um, sense. It's okay. But that was my first real experience of really relying on spirit and spirit information so that I was not anxious or nervous. That was one of my mm-hmm. first experiences of outrageous faith where it was like, okay, I don't need to question this. So there was a duality going on there between who I am in, in relationship to George and really, and then there was that psychic aspect because there is a duality in psychics yeah. um, regarding their faith, how they work it, how they do what they do, which is one reason why they deserve a great deal of admiration and respect because it's not, it's not for everybody. <laughs> it's not easy to have one foot in the, in what you would call the mundane world and another foot in the spiritual world at the same time. Exactly. And yet that is the gift. That is it. Mm-hmm. And then you work it to, so that it's an ability. <laughs> you want it to be an ability. Yeah. So, so and that what, was, what you yeah. described though, and I just want to kind of pull this together for people, Good. what you Good, described right. about your brother talking yeah. to you, tell, walking you through this basically and telling exactly. you, don't worry, and we've got the right person for you. That yeah. sounds, very much to me, like what Abraham Hicks talks about, yeah. you know, with the cooperative components coming together, just be easy and let those cooperative components come together. That sounds like kind of what your brother was telling you. I agree that there is a synchronicity, mm-hmm. right? A synchronicity is another word for it. That's, yeah. And you have this cooperation. And I think one of the things that's important for, for our listeners and for all of us is it is that spirit of cooperation that gives you a certain kind of a peacefulness and it increases with every experience. It increases with every yeah. experience of your faith in action, faith in action. Yes. Like I could have disagreed with Paul and said, there's no way, no way I'm going to do this mm-hmm. because we always have free will. So it's also not like a, a life of fantasy. You're making decisions all along. You're discerning all along anyway. Right. You're discerning all along in this extra area of, hmm, do I let somebody know this or not? And I think that's one of the greater responsibilities in mediumship period and in spirit photography. So, um, and that's something that you have to reconcile I think people do it who are kind of faith-based people who have their own faith and have hunches yeah. and intuitions. I mean, yeah. people function psychically all the time, all the right. time. We have to. We are instruments yeah. of that. And mm-hmm. we are incarnate for only so long. But we have picked up along the way amazing intuitions and insights. And I think that a lot of people don't give themselves permission to really use them. For some reason or other, there's a self-consciousness or a kind of a Gee, I can't really go there. But many times you actually really can. And many times it does nurture, it does nurture you. And it cultivates a stronger relationship to your faith and also to the mystery of it all, because it is profoundly mysterious. It absolutely is. Yeah, I, I've speculated, maybe it's my Catholic upbringing, but I have speculated more than once that the reason that people don't feel that they can go there is because they've been taught 
that they're not supposed to go there. And I absolutely agree. I agree. I th I felt like the 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 everybody has this and has and can tap into it, but the way it's been, I want to say controlled. It has been is, absolutely. I agree. Is is by is by you know the organized religion saying nah you can't do that you know like in in Catholicism we have priests who talk to God for us right <laughs> you know I mean yeah. we can pray but these are the dudes who really know how to do the God stuff you know you know what I mean? and it's so ridiculous to think that it could be relegated that way but it's sad because we really are born into that acceptance mm -hmm. and. But it's interesting because certain Catholics who know about my gift and who benefited from it have said, and people who are more traditionally Catholic, so to speak, still in that belief system, still go to church on Sundays, et cetera. And they'll say, wow, this means that there won't be any room for us then when we die. Because yeah. if, if spirit of everyone <laughs> is on that other side, so to speak, in that uh -huh. other dimension, there's not going to be room for them, which is a fascinating thing to me because... That's interesting. And another thing that I've been learning constantly from people that, I, that I've done work for is how much our faith is not really defined. It's not, there's no picture of it. Because I'll say to them, what do you think is going to happen then when this happened? Or what do you think happened to so-and-so? And they go, well, you just went into, you know, the light. I'm like, well, what do you think the light is? And what do you think? Do you think you stay there? Like if your consciousness goes into the light, do you stay just in the light and that's it? And it's really very, very interesting. That is interesting. Yes. Uh, and wouldn't it be kind of interesting if, what was the point of our our thoughts then and our communication and, uh, and the lessons of what we learned? I mean, do we just kind of drop them at the door when we get into heaven or wherever we think we're going? Are they irrelevant? The main thing that I've learned is, no, there's no irrelevance whatsoever. And everything is deeply interconnected. And it's deeply interconnected into the wholeness of all that is, which sounds ridiculous, but it's not. And it's divinely intellectual. It's divinely cognizant. And we're a part of that. We're a part of that process of unfolding, of recognition, of development of discernment we are and people actually do it with their family's life all the time in their families they're always discerning and they're always picking and choosing and then always needing to let go and release so in a way at different parts of our life we're always preparing for the afterlife in a certain way because a lot of the afterlife has a great deal to do with continually being who we really are right the ending is so-called ending, so to speak, is really our physical bodies. But we're not we're not in our physical bodies all the time anyway. Like when we're sleeping or dreaming, we're really not. We're really astral traveling. We're traveling and gathering more information. That's why sometimes you'll wake up and you'll think you've made a decision one day and you wake up the next day and go, well, I think I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Been there, yeah, done that. Really <laughs> And, you know, you haven't really thought about it, but it's just a change. But the change took place probably in your sleep and probably from astral travel or possibly from getting more information from spirit without being necessarily conscious of the transference of that information. Well, and I think sometimes, well, it sounds like you dream sometimes like I do. or You know, I know dreams vary in different ways, but I, there are some dreams where people known and unknown will come and tell me things yes and then there are also those dreams that i see almost like a movie things yes. happening mm -hmm. yes and yes it, and you don't always know immediately what the information is for yes but you know you kind of tuck it away okay i'll hold on to this <laughs> yes exactly yeah very and much so definitely but what's really fascinating is sometimes it may be, you know, two years out and then you're like, oh, that's what that was about. But when, when it's most fascinating to me is when it's almost immediate. Yes. Where I, you know, I put my head down, uh, have a rest, and then I wake up and literally whatever was going on in that dream takes place or some version thereof takes place. Sure. And, sure. 
you're like, dude, really? I didn't even have time to pre <laughs> to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> right, because uh, a part of you is already so actually um, deeply connected. You know, you're, you're more receptive and deeply connected because that tends to happen to people who really are um, are receivers, are open. They're open. They're not shut down. And so that often is the case. And it's fascinating because it's really like being an interpreter of reality. You wake up and go, hmm, which interpretation am I going to go for today then? <laughs> like, do I believe that was correct or true or not? And then yeah. you go down the block and the thing that you dreamed actually takes place. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's like and in the Matrix where the lady says, what's really going to bake your noodle is... Would you have broken the vase if I hadn't said anything about it when she says that to Neo? Right, 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 right. And there's communication going on all the time, not not to, there's communication going on a lot for all of us. And mm -hmm. I think it's right now because there's really been big changes in, in the world and um, since August. There's been a download of multidimensional activity from 5D reality, let's say we're in 3D, mm -hmm. 5D reality has been coming down, and that's what's in my photographs. There's extraterrestrials all over in my photographs. And I never am into that. I was never ever into that. I was not into Star Trek. I don't never like to really discuss those things particularly and have don't go to the movies. I think there's enough to be afraid of in life as it is without going to the movies <laughs> <laughs> to see more. So, um, but the since August 19th, extraterrestrials have been, they're on our level. And when I take photographs, they appear in the lawn, in the sky, in mm -hmm. another room. They come out in people's photographs that people give me on my um, Facebook Spiritually Speaking Photography site. I have one of the most current photos from a client from the other day, and it's a woman sitting on, on the couch in my living room, and she has her hand up like her chin is hanging on the, on her hand, you know, mm -hmm. and, she's, and she's talking to a light being, and there's a, a white light being that looks very angelic, certainly a light being. So um, there's, and, and so that's what's happening to us now, and I see that it's, a lot of times in normal photos, they won't come out, but through cell phones, they do because of the pixels. The pixels oh, pick them yeah. Okay, so that's it. So if anybody wants to experiment and see, <clears throat> they can start to experiment with their own cell phones. Excuse me. So, um, and um, there's something called the Cosmic Central of Race Beings, which I'm learning about, Beings of Light. They're mm -hmm. in all my photographs. They're in a zillion of my photographs on my website as well, spiritually speaking. Um, dot org. And then there's also something called uh, Pam Gregory, a fantastic astrologer, um, had written to me and she has a site called The Next Step. And she had mentioned their sacred geometry and coherence in my photographs, sacred geometry and coherence, because mm -hmm. a lot of things are in cubes and they actually show the astral travels and they show different parts of spirit bodies of people being mm -hmm. transported, transported. And it's it's really fascinating. It's beyond anything I would have ever imagined. So they're actually showing us a lot about what's really going on. So, um, and if anybody wants to contact me, they certainly can contact me through the site and through Facebook about it. But it, it's all quite fascinating, really fascinating. But it's also fascinated me. I've been growing and learning from it as well. And things are changing now. Psychically, we're needing to open up to more. I think one of the mm -hmm. things is, now I try to figure out why, because I'm writing a book about it, spiritually speaking, photography. And so I have my own life story and stories about clients and this and that. But anyway, in this situation, I feel that <clears throat> part of what's going on is the transparency through the Internet to violence and to death. Mm -hmm. you, you really can't even turn a page without hearing or seeing and having the exposure. Right. Unlike we ever did before. Mm -hmm. 
so the reality of death, I think, is now such a, it's so present, it's so transparent, that no matter what one's personal belief system is or whatever church they belong to, whatever their faith is and demonstrates, it's beyond us. There's this global awareness of horrifying death. All mm-hmm. And I think what it has done to a lot of people is in addition to frightening them, of course, it also spurs you into wondering, well, what is it really like then? You know, if we're surrounded by death, what is happening then? And what's happening to people who are died? What does happen? People talk about it all the time now. People are much more freaked out. It's no longer that quiet little thing in the neighborhood where, oh, somebody died. Oh, we'll go to the wake. Oh, we'll go to the funeral. Okay, that's it. It's not like that anymore. Right. It's just all over the place. People try to take a break from it. You try not to watch the news. You don't want to read a certain magazine. You know, you had enough already. You know, you've been awake for 20 minutes and there's somebody's death. <laughs> right? And but it, you know, it's hard. Mm-hmm. I think I think it started long before then. I think it started. I think this is just the latest iteration. I think when they started a 24-hour news cycle, thank you, yeah. CNN. CNN, um, yes, true. That's when, but that's when you started seeing this cycle of fear. Yeah, right. That's that true. We've okay. never seen. I don't think we've seen this level of fear during what we might call peacetime in this country. I mean, I know that we're yeah. technically at war and have been for a long time, but. Um, it rarely touches our shores, you know, in, in a in a sure. physical, huge physical manifestation in the way that it does other people's countries. So, but yeah. the level of fear and anxiety that people are living with now, to the point that it's affecting the children so dramatically even, we have little kids having anxiety. Um, this started when the 24-hour news cycle started. And it's that constant loop of negative information, not just death. I mean, and I don't consider death to necessarily be uh, in and of itself a bad thing, but the me- the means, the violence against human to human violence oh, yeah. is really what oh, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But we have more exposure to that. that Even like, more. Mm-hmm. We have more Even exposure more. to the inevitability mm-hmm. of trauma, to the inevitability of, um, you know, natural, um, you know, disasters to a sense of powerlessness, to the transparency of corruption, you know, um, so we're much more vulnerable. I think we yeah. are more vulnerable because of all that exposure and that it's everywhere. I don't feel like children even get to have a childhood at all anymore. Yeah. They really don't. They really are so exposed to adult life without having gone through the developmental processes that many of us had were able to in yeah. order to be prepared for it. These children, they're totally unprepared. And also with the cell phone aspect, you know, it's just changing things. It's so radically changing things. We're becoming so technologized. We really are that we don't even rely on natural developmental processes anymore. That once were considered typical or des- desirable maturation processes anymore. I mean, we have constant interference. There's constant static. And 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 in order to not have that, you really have to to insulate yourself and you have to make very specific decisions, you know, about your self-help plan, you know, how are you going to really keep it together today? How will you be mellow this week, no matter what happens? Right. Will you be able to be, Uh, you know, people are becoming unglued in a very serious way. um, Oh yeah. All over. But a lot of it is that the spirit realm is actually, in our realm now, they are on our level. And when you go to my site, you'll get to see that for yourself. And it is startling. It's startling because we've had no education in this area. We have not. And we have not been encouraged to to consider other dimensional realities to be one day a part of our own. We have not. So, so let's, we're all- let's, let's back up a little bit because I really want to, sure. I kind of want to dig into this. We only have a little bit more time. So when you, when, you know, we have, what I think is, has really happened is that we've been taught that there's a spiritual and then there's a physical and very few of us really understand that whole scientific concept of multiple dimensions. Can you kind of guide us through a little of that and how that relates spiritually so that people understand what you're talking about? Well, in a sense, I think that the, the people who have passed away, 
are wanting to be more present in our lives. They're not willing to be invisible anymore to us. Mm-hmm. That's deep. That's that's profound, and that's universal. It's not um, it's not up to us. They're going to be making their presence more and more known. I think in part they're doing it because it prepares you for the afterlife and they themselves would have liked to have been more prepared for what it really is. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Another part of what's going on is the other dimensional beings like extraterrestrials specifically, and there has been a lot of activity in the sky that people have been recording all over the country. And there is daily. In fact, that's what I did in August. I saw, what are all those orange and green lights in the sky? I'm like, wow, I never saw that before. So I took a picture of it, and when it came out, it's all extraterrestrials, and you see them transporting and, and flying in the sky mm-hmm. like a plane would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm talking because it also is close. And I'm somebody who doesn't even believe in it. That's not something I examine. I, I don't have an interest in that. So, But I have the photos that were all over the place. So I also think that that's part of the aspect of the different dimensional beings. You see people with different expressions on their face. You see people in sort of like it looks like they're in a room with their animals or with their children. They are from hundreds of years ago, right Mm. to somebody who looks like they're dressed like yesterday. Right. Uh, There's so it's almost like um, I may not be explaining that very well. But they're wanting to be seen, and they're wanting to be, they're really alive. That whole concept of eternal life, it's not a dormant experience. Eternal life is life. You move on, and there's more life, and you're living a life. There's people congregating together. They're actually looking at a computer together. Um, and, and that's kind of what's happened since August. So I feel like a lot of us are tapping into things. People are more frightened than ever if they're not used to thinking about spirit or they're not used to giving much credence to psychic awareness. Mm -hmm. Psychic is only of the mind. However, I I also think this, and this is a little bit off the cuff, but people have been labeled, part of the control mechanism, like you mentioned, I'm referring to it as a control mechanism in Mm -hmm. the Catholic Church. I was also raised in Catholic Church. Part of it is, you know, that um, they're losing that control. They're losing it. Even the church is losing that. They're losing that control. Mm -hmm. There's a deconstruction going on right now of our society and the influence of the patriarch, of the patriarchal influence. It's it's being deconstructed now. In the last two or three, in the next two or three or four years, it's really going to be very quite a different world that we're living in. Because this really is the beginning of the end of what's familiar and what people got away with. And the way that we were trained to perceive reality as being so limited, you know, um, the belief systems being so limited, that is being opened up now. That's not going to be the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be the way. So uh, I think that part of the, so anyway, in terms of multidimensional reality, they're really actually in the photograph. You do see angels, you do see people, you see animals, you do see beasts, you see some scary expressions on other people and other beings. You can tell that they're not they're not human beings and they weren't human beings. Okay. But they're other beings. In mm-hmm. fact, some of their expressions, I don't even try to say, if that was a human being, it would be a very frightening expression. But I don't know who that being really is. I don't know right. what the normal is for that being. <laughs> right. I have no idea that their expression of looking like aghast or shocked <laughs> could be in their realm, in their beingness, the totality of their beingness. Uh, it could be a very favorable connect for that right. expression of connection. So you get to see that in these particular uh, things. I'm still learning from it because I did not expect this. My brother had come to me and said a month before, Things are going on. Actually, this speaks to something that you mentioned earlier about spirit where you think it's a personal message for you, but in fact, it's not. Right. He had come to me and said, things are getting very heavy now and very deep. A part of me is like, well, they're always really heavy and deep. They really are. (laughs) My life has been very heavy and deep. I don't know about anybody else's, but mine has been. So I'm kind of used to heavy and deep. Right. And I'm going, 
hey, okay. And he goes, no, I'm serious, very deep. He goes, be prepared. Nothing will really prepare you for this. So I'm thinking, wow, another death. You know, someone's really ill. You know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And instead, it was the extraterrestrials appearing. Ah. Major, major download of extraterrestrial activity. And I was not the spirit photographer. George was. George Mm -hmm. died in 2010. So on my site is what we put up in 2007 of his photos because we mm-hmm. thought, oh, people probably like to see these. We even sold cars for cards for a while of them and then didn't have the time to pay more attention to it, frankly. But we were surprised some extraterrestrials are in them, some angels are in them. But we kind of just kept going and lived our lives. We were both activists in other areas. And mm-hmm. so, but eventually Paul said, no, it's going to be really deep. And I'm thinking, okay, something's going to happen personally in my circle. And it wasn't. It was collective. It's cosmic consciousness. Right. It is UFOs downloading, showing themselves, appearing, and wanting to be photographed. And that's all on my site are those extraterrestrial photographs. In addition to photos of people, um, some of them look like models. They're actually posing for the photos. They want <laughs> to be seen. And I'm still learning. And I'm still learning what does it all really mean? It's not as if I woke up the next day or a month later. I had pictures appearing in my desktop in my computer that I did not take. Wow. Appearing. So, and in fact, one woman contacted me and she, and I had this picture of this woman in my desktop. I thought, I don't know who this is. It looks like she's dead. So I sent it to all my relatives. And one of them wrote back and said, that's my mother. And she died in 1971. Wow. Holding my cousin. And she had just been praying to her mother because this woman has a heart condition. And around the frame of the photo was, I love you, mom, like the little Facebook frames that you yeah. put up. Mm-hmm. And she had just been praying to her mother because she had to go into the hospital about her heart. And she's only 48. Mm-hmm. And she had prayed to her mother. And say, I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. And part of the story is her mother had killed herself in front of her when she was four years old. Oh, She no. was in the patio on a um, <clears throat> 21st floor. And I told the woman to put her slippers by the patio doors and then go out to somebody in the hallway after she does that. So this person had closed the patio doors at four years old, put the slippers to the side, closed the patio doors, and her mother jumped off 21 stories. Oh, my Lord. So what happened is, and she ran outside, but the night before, but she, so she's had to reconcile that, you know, all of her life in certain Mm -hmm. ways. And she was praying, praying, saying, I love you, mom. I love you, mom. Because there's always this constant action of, of forgiveness and acceptance, plus being young, plus going through life with people who, unfortunately, the pattern would be that they may leave her, right? Right. Because these patterns are ones that we come in with right? and we kind of move and develop through them and tap into things that will help us prevent those things from recurring again and again. But anyway, so she was going to go into the heart, heart, the doctor the next day. And she, and that picture was, she sent it to me. She sent me the original picture, which is identical to that one, except for the Facebook. I love you frame. Wow. But it is that she had in her living room. All of her life, of her mother holding her cousin in her arms, and the cousin's the same age, before she killed herself. Well, so, that would lead us down a rabbit hole about energy that I don't think that we have time for right now, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, oh, sure. But because all I keep thinking is the the energy of that photo transported somehow. Maybe there's a digital image of that photo already somewhere on some website and somehow spirit tapped into that and pulled that a duplicate of that to your computer. I can think all kinds of things about this. So, so think, we, we can well, go this, down a great rabbit hole well, on that. Part of what, this is actually part of what goes on with a lot of it and can go on with a lot of it. And, but there is no other duplicate photo of that photo, by the way, and she doesn't even have a, a computer. Wow. So in terms of that specific photo, absolutely not. So it's been a fascinating couple of months 
in terms of integrating this in a very grounded way for people to be able to see for themselves and then um, what, they, what they're making of it. And I felt that that was very important. I have thousands of photos, <laughs> thousands. Um, and I even had stopped even editing a photo, but photos had continued to appear in my desktop. And so I thought, well, let me see what, what kind of healing agent could this possibly be to some? Yeah. Right? If so, because I always see things within the context of the, the healing potential. Mm -hmm. And um, not that we're all, you know, so terribly wounded and so deeply in need of healing. But to a certain extent, this is part of our journey. The spiritual aspect is absolutely a part of our journey. And to what extent can people be interested in what I've experienced and what seems to be an increase in my particular kind of a gift? Yeah. So I've been learning as I go along about it myself. There's actually been statues that have appeared in my photos. If I walk along a lawn, a lawn, there's a statue when I come back in the photo that I took of a bench, and there is no statue there. I've actually even gone back to the place the next day and go, did they put up a statue and I wasn't aware of it when I took this picture? <laughs> and no, there's not been a, a statue. And so I think part of this has to do with faith. Part of this has to do with manifestation. The rest is mysterious. And it's been having, it's actually been having a, a, a deep impact on me in my own development as well regarding all of this, which is why I've just finished the first draft of my book on this subject with photos included. Right. Because no matter what, it's fascinating, no matter where you're at, no matter what, it's absolutely fascinating. And it's been an increase developmentally in my psychic gifts since 1998 when George had that open heart surgery and he had had the gift. So I had the sight up. I don't take pictures. I'm not into it at all. I didn't even have a cell phone. I just get a cell phone a couple of times a year if I have to travel for my other work. Mm -hmm. And um, Otherwise, I'm not into them at all. I don't have a carrier. I get the renewed chargeable one for $30 a month when I need it a couple of times a year. Right. And that's increased because of the communication because of this work. And um, But otherwise, I'm, I'm not even into it at all. And, mm -hmm. but I've been learning, I've been learning, you know, how to use it and, and to do it and to, and I think it's very relevant. You know, I think it's bigger than me. I don't think it's something that I should have really just packed away and go, oh, this is really fascinating. Okay. I'll put that in the file. I don't right. think so. This has much more meaning, um, much more. And so I have that, that's why I put up the, the site. I was not the spirit photographer, George was, and um, and now I am. And it's well, been, he died in 2010, and it's now 2020. And my particular gift, so to speak, began after that download of extraterrestrial activity um, in August, which people in my neighborhood saw, and people were shocked. Wow. And people aren't even used to discussing this stuff. Right. And they're to discuss it now because they've seen it. With their own eyes. And they're seeing it now because they see it themselves. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not my own thing. It's not like I'm bringing this out and going, oh, look. <laughs> it's just right. me. It has nothing to do with me, really. It really doesn't. But I thought, well, it is fascinating. There have been some healings from the photos that people have seen. There was a cat who had been deceased, and the person sent me a photo of their cat. I put that up on my site. And um, the cat had a shadow over its eye. So I said, oh, the cat has a shadow over its eye. And when I put it through my cell, and she goes, oh, my God, she had a scratch on her that eye. But we thought it got healed. And I said, it didn't. She's trying to tell you it didn't get healed. Um, wow. So there's a lot of communication coming from even animals just saying, just, and you know, who knows? And and as for ultimately understanding the whole thing, I don't. I absolutely don't. Well, here's what I would ask. If you had, <laughs> uh, here, if you had, if you had any people, if someone were to come to you right now and say, you know, Kaylin, I feel like I want to open myself up a little bit more to receive yeah. some spiritual messages or to see some of these things, you know, what two or three things might you advise them 
might help. First, to sit down quietly and to reflect on that. Because I think it's important to be able to be quiet about it and to be able to just allow it and just be quiet about it and be in acceptance, be in acceptance of what may come up for you about it. And then I would just frankly go take a picture because I actually feel like just because I have this doesn't mean other people don't. That's one reason why I put it out there. Go take a picture of something. If you see a cloud that looks interesting to you, take the picture. Again, best to take it with a cell phone because of the pixels. And then see what happens and what turns up in it. I think I think it's good to be open to communication. I just do. I also think it also is you're you're taking a certain kind of responsibility for your spiritual life when you choose to do that. I do. So you're going to work a little more independently with your spiritual life, and you're going to start to pay more attention to your surroundings and to other synchronicities and to other forms of communication that may be new to you. And, and for people who are, for for lack of a better yes. way of putting this, um, maybe highly religious and yes. maybe concerned that this is outside of the realm of where they're supposed to be, That's what... Scary. Yeah. Do you have to say, I mean, is there anything that you would say to to help them get past that? If they've had these urges, these these, these ideas that maybe they should oh. be more connected in a spiritual sense to other things going on, but maybe they're a little concerned about the religion part of things. Well, also being mentally ill. A lot of people have a lot of stronger instincts about things and stronger intuitions. And with all the labels regarding mental illness, and all the strains of mental illness, some people have come to me going, I wondered if I was just kind of, you know, off, or maybe if I'm um, something else, some other label for another illness, let's say. And I go, well, as far as I know, no, but let's talk about this, and then let me show you what I have. And then they'll see it. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, my God. Because it seems like a lot of people are intuiting stuff and not able to identify what they're intuiting yet. Right. I think part of the advantage of the visual aspect and the visual images, as far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. it gives you an opportunity to take a peek at what you may be intuiting or feeling or maybe resonating with you that you've not been able to see. These are manifestations. These are clear evidence and manifestations of other aspects of what you might interpret to be spirituality eventually faith eventually stories that your stories matter that as much as we're independent of one another we are not that independent of one another we are not that we have mm -hmm. a, a sort of a sort of like a symphony we're each instruments in a symphony we're each as significant we should never underestimate the complexity of our own human beingness and our own human nature, nor our own spirituality. That we should have access to our spirituality as it is. We should have access to our intuition. That when we start to choose it and use it more consciously, we'll see more evidence of that. We'll see more growth. There will be more development, more certainty, possibly more joy, I don't know possibly some more confusion that can be worked out. I think the whole part of it is to increase communication about these things, period. I really do. Because when you look at how many of us have been raised in environments and will continue to be that are controlling for very mm -hmm. specific purposes, for very specific outcomes, our individuality, and I think these photos are saying, I'm sorry, I won't be able to do it this way. Right. I know I'm more complex than that. I know my Aunt Florence was way more complex than what you're allowing her to be to me. Mm -hmm. I know that my brother or my father, you know, or my best friend or my employer who I loved, I know there's more going on than I've been allowed to see or feel or think. 
And I kind of think this is really what the evidence is in these photographs is, oh, there's a lot going on that we're now being able to see and pay attention to and consider and reflect upon. And hopefully that it will increase and enhance your sense of self, your sense of worth, your sense of community, your sense of the global community. I really feel like these are the responses I receive from people is, wow, wow, things are a lot bigger than what I thought. This is more complicated than I imagined. It's way more mysterious. But I really believe that it is something that is um, a gift, a gift, and that we're supposed to be opening ourselves up more to one another, to our intuition, to our psychic abilities, to healing. That's my perspective. Well, Kaylin, yes. how can people get in touch with you? Where well, can they, they can connect me. with you? Can they connect with you on, on social media, go to your website, your phone number, give them all that good stuff. I will. My um my website is spirituallyspeaking.org, O-R-G. I'm on Facebook, Spiritually Speaking Photography. And um, that's kind of a far out site because I have more access to it right away. So I had a lot more information on it. I actually have GIFs with certain themes on my website, spirituallyspeaking.org, so you actually get to see the whole story, more of the story. I'm going to stop you, you real quick. Is it spiritual? Can I stop you real quick? Is it spiritually speaking all smushed together, all just like one word? No. Or is... Great question. Spiritually-speaking.org. Okay. So there's a dash, spiritually-speaking.org. And on Facebook, it's spiritually-speaking photography. And you can also contact me at 413-404-5683. That's 413-404-5683. Kaylin, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michellebarad.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you tune in to the August 21st show when my guest will be author Nicholas Mays. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.